And welcome back. It's been a minute. It has. It has. It feels are, good to be back. It feels good to be back. We are two dope teachers in a mic. Uh, my name is Gerardo Munoz. That's your boy, Kevin Adams. And we are back following spring break with an episode that we think is going to super excite everybody out there listening. We got people from Cali to New York to Atlanta. We got we got people listening all over the place, Taking right? Over. Taking over. Taking over. So, so, yeah. So, we got a little bit of a takeover today. Um, we have this incredible opportunity. We are at the table, there are eight dope teachers in the room. Everybody say, what's up? What's up? So uh, it, it might be loud. It might be chaotic. It might be a little bit <laughs> off the chain. Y'all are just going to have to deal with it because this is what happens when you bring teachers of color together, um, being able that's to have right. these conversations it's together. Joyous. So so yeah, that's our topic. We are going to have a teacher of color roundtable where we will be discussing um, just why we got into this work to begin with, what we hope to accomplish, and uh, where we see this going in the future. Um, but first of all, how's your spring break, Kev? Or, or, or as I should call you, the irate observer. The irate observer. Y'all will understand soon. You will get it. Um, so my spring break was good, man. It was good. It felt long. Uh, we had Takari's birthday party, sleepover, five boys. So it was right. pretty exciting stuff. Exciting you know, word for it. You know, all <laughs> that good stuff. Uh, I slept in. You slept caught in? Caught up on my sleep. Does sleeping in mean like 6.15? No. Okay. It meant like 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock? You can nine still sleep till 9 o'clock? I try to. I, I roll back over and go back to sleep. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, that's I'll, definitely I'll the get key. get out of bed. You don't get, you don't give in to the My kids kept waking up early. Stuff. Sophia woke up every day at like 8. Like until like yesterday. See, I consider myself. I consider myself pretty lucky if I can sleep till late. You know, yeah. <laughs> like. But it's yeah, that's right. It's about going back to sleep. Did you go anywhere? No. That's good. I stayed right that's here. Good. What about you? Um, well, I had a good spring break. We we took the train. Oh. Yeah, man, we took the train up to up to Granby. Shout out to just kidding. Um, <laughs> so we we took the train a lot up of there of color up in with Granby? some family. Uh, I, I think that day there were. <laughs> we were y'all were the we color. Were, we we all were. Came. Uh, so no, riding the, riding the train is cool. Um, there's some interesting personalities on the train. It's like this oh, whole yeah. other like culture. We almost missed the train, which is really <laughs> exciting. Uh, took our dog Kiko. That was good stuff. And got into the mountains for a little bit, you know. And I know what y'all are saying: people of color in the mountains, you don't see that too often. But but it was it was good. It was nice to get away. Uh, went to Snow Mountain Ranch. Got snowed on actually. Oh, there you go. Uh, did a did a run up there. I like to run wherever I'm going and stuff like that. Um, you, you said you were going to do cross country skiing. We were, and then it didn't snow until the last day. So we snowshoed, right? Oh, that <laughs> which, that which was hilarious because I had the wrong shoes and jeans. Like, I look like a city kid trying to snowshoes. This guy, like, like, the guy looks at me, he's like, you wore those shoes? I'm like, I don't have any other shoes. We can rent some. This is like dumb. And you wore jeans. It's like, look, <laughs> are you gonna give me my shoes? You're gonna judge me. Um, but it was it was good. And then we, you know, rode the train back. Um, had some interesting racialized incidents on the train, which <laughs> yeah, couldn't be a train I'll address ride at another without point. A racialized um, incident. Yeah, my wife doesn't think she can leave me alone with like white people. <laughs> because, like, every time she's not there, my my uh, my my fair-skinned, blue-eyed Mexican partner. Uh, whenever she's not there, weird stuff happens. <laughs> So she's like, trouble. I'm just gonna like go and be there. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, spring break was good. Are you feeling rejuvenated and excited to get back to your I'm classes ready. tomorrow? I'm ready. I'm not ready, dude. I'm my, not my, uh, I'm my, not my, <laughs> my teacher candidate's starting his unit. So, oh, so that's so why you're ready. Exciting. He's looking for it a way. Looking for a way to not work. I was like, if you're not gonna I actually a take a day off, I got a plan tonight. I gotta get ready. And then I was like. I think Tristan's about to start his. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I'm ready. That's a good thing. I'm ready. All right. So let's. Uh, we're going to get to some introductions. So just really quickly, um, for today, uh, we are not 
Kevin and Gerardo. Uh, he is the irate observer. That's your boy, the irate observer. And and I am I am the T H A. Get the spelling right. The hunter. The. So we'll be out here hunting hunter. for hunting for some great insights from this amazing panel we've assembled <laughs> today. Uh, so let's just go around and um, we'll do some quick introductions. Who is here at the table? And um, and anything else you want to offer to yourself? Maybe maybe the name that you took is one that fits you really well. So uh, I don't know where we want to start, but we can start. You don't remember your name. <laughs> so what's, what's really funny is that everybody was super loud before the microphone turned on, and now the mic's on, and people are like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to talk. <laughs> All right. I'll begin. All right. Thunderous mercenary. Thunderous mercenary in the and, house. And uh, you could just call me Thunderous. That's All right. Um, <laughs> and uh, what, what did you want me to I don't, whatever you want to tell about yourself. I can tell you that I am a teacher in Denver Public Schools um, and that I am very, very lucky to be a part of a family of amazing educators who I get inspired by on the daily. Mm. Um, originally from Southern California, um, I am happy to be here. All right. Glad to have you. Thanks. I'm I'm Queen Ill Figure, and uh, I think I'm pretty ill. But <laughs> not everybody, and I'm always a queen. I walk around as a queen, but um, I don't know if any, everybody can handle me all the time, and that's okay. That's something that I've come to terms with. Uh, I'm a mother. I'm someone's significant other. I'm also a teacher, and I was born and raised in Denver, and I was oh, I'm a product. If you will, <laughs> of Denver Public Schools. There we go. <laughs> of Denver Public Schools. Uh, we blame you. I know. <laughs> That's right. But I, I, I don't know. If, maybe if that comes up later, but I, I don't know if I'm the best example. So. Uh, you great example. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. Queen. All right. Great example. We got the queen. All right. Yeah. Who's next? Um, hi. My name is Medianoche Comadante. Uh, oh. To, I guess, uh, as a token for my favorite sandwich, um, but no longer meat, so instead I substitute jackfruit. Um, I am a, a sixth grade earth science teacher and AP biology teacher. Um, I used to teach first grade in Spanish, um, but now pursuing my love of science. Um, and I hail from Miami, Florida. Miami, Miami, Miami in the house. Miami and Cali, all right. This is the uh, expert commander. Yes. <laughs> um, all the way from Durban, South Africa. Uh, born and raised. Rep in Durham. And I international. I teach twelfth grade language arts at DCS okay. Mont Bello. All right. The Bellows. Owning it. Owning it. Owning it. All right. Well, I'll follow that. I am the expert assassin. Expert assassin. <laughs> assassin. Um, been in DPS for five years. Originally from. Chicago, Illinois, representing the South Side. Chicago, South Side. Um, teach high school social studies, and um, I'm just happy to be amongst like-minded people mm -hmm. who are focused on our children. That's it. Mm. That's it. Making that's it. sure that they become change agents and representatives in this world. So, right. that's critical. Yes. Yeah. Well, I am the smiling prophet. And, uh, <laughs> I've been teaching in DPS for, this is my ninth year. Uh, I've taught everything from eighth grade all the way up to high school. Um, and really bring a, a commitment with me to um, seeing education through a lens of social justice activism and making sure that the, the work we do um, with students is, is always 
um, rooted in this this lens of equity and, and building a more just and equitable world for everyone. Mm. Yeah. Right on. And then I am the erratic commander. I believe that. Sorry, I forgot. Name. <laughs> I think but I think it's erratic criminal. Oh, erratic. Oh. But you don't have to, Someone you know. More <laughs> and um, I am a student teacher, and I'm learning from another teacher of color, which I'm very blessed. Oh, that's because awesome. It's hard as a student teacher to find other teachers of color, and since I'm a well student of color, I feel like I'm very blessed to be able to learn from another teacher of color because it's really different. Um, I'm also a, should I say alumni from yeah. DPS? All right. So, yeah, I'm really excited. And I went to um, Martin Luther King and I live in the neighborhood. All right. Very and good. So, okay. 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 Students, I'm like, oh, I know your brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good. It's always good. I'm excited. And we'll definitely get to that, uh, talking about the connections we have in our communities, and that's, uh, you know, that's such an important piece of what we're doing. Um, so, so these names come, where do these, uh, so I'm going to ask the expert commander here, where do these names come from that we're using? This comes from the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so and, and it's funny because this is kind of Wu-Tang here. So you know how they would just like give somebody else a mic and it's like, okay, we got nine dudes up there with mics, like go. That's it. So, that's right. it. That's so, it. so we, we, this is kind of the Wu-Tang episode. The Wu that's it? That's so the, the title of the Wu-Tang episode. episode. That's right. We got a cypher right. going on here. So uh, we thought it was just really valuable. We all ended up in the same professional development session mm. today. And uh, so we were all over social media texting each other saying, hey, we're all going to be in the building. Let's have this conversation because, as you know, everybody's so busy with their responsibilities and their students and their families that it's often tough to do this. So um, we'll go through some guidelines. It's some, so one thing you should know is the irate observer and I have not written down these guidelines. No. We have to like try to remember but them. But I feel like we episode. remember them now. Yeah, we're pretty good. I'm so, good. so we're operating Not on good. a certain principle of anonymity. Some folks have uh, said which schools they're at. Some haven't, and that is entirely up to the panelists to kind of be open with that kind of stuff. That's right. Uh, second rule is uh, we don't cuss because we don't, we don't know how to edit, we <laughs> and uh, we are under strict orders. And I think I feel like it's better when we're not cussing. Yeah, for sure. I, I think like it we're is. I think more it is seriously. better. I think it is. like off mic. It's a little bit different, but here we definitely try not to do that. We so don't cuss, y'all. We don't know how to. KIC, it. keep we, it clean. We would have to. We all do. We all do. Well, and one one thing I've I've said is that I'm not in a household that is amenable to profanity. So it's like the spaces where I can cuss are getting smaller and smaller. And so I, I got labeled as the parent who doesn't cuss the most. Like, they oh, were that's like, funny. The kids are like, "Mommy cusses way more than you." <laughs> so I, I was like, say, "I don't cuss second, at all." And they were like, "That's not true." This is the second time you've called out Bird for, for oh, profanity. You call, like, you call out me, so I'm gonna call out her. <laughs> you call her call she out. doesn't listen, so I can say. Say what I want to say. That's true. That's true. My wife makes me listen with her. Like, she won't listen if I'm not in the room. And I'm like, oh, I hate my sound. It's crazy. All right, so, so we're going to jump into this. Um, the, the big thing that we want to get to know is what is it that you all bring to the classroom? And what is it that you all bring into the classroom that's unique? And what are the things that we continue to struggle with? I think this is going to be really encouraging for our listeners to, um, to just recognize that they're not alone and they're not crazy. So first question I'm just going to throw out there is, why do y'all teach? Easy question, right? We're going to start with, the, gonna start with the easy ones. <laughs> and I know that coming out of spring break, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe you're not really sure why you teach right now. <laughs> well, for me, the, uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X caused me to become a teacher. Um, when you look at the formal education of Malcolm X, um, sixth grade education, but 
now colleges go through him mm -hmm. uh, really showed me the the power of language and I, I knew that I wanted to learn more about that and that uh, when I finally learned about it I would want to give that to my to my people yeah definitely others of you have those experiences where some where one set of ideas kind of resonated with you and just kind of like drove you into the work I could say for me it was my grandmother she was Burmedian and she actually taught origami in the prison system. She taught um, various things on the island. She was a superintendent of schools in Bermuda. But I have a lot of teachers in my family, so it was kind of a natural career choice for me. And I just remember being really inspired as well by my grandmother's life story because she traveled around in 1971. She traveled around the globe um, and she learned origami folding techniques, but then also weaving techniques. And then she passed that on to people in her small environment. So I have a lot of respect for a woman traveling alone in the 1970s, an African-American woman, right. um, just really empowering herself or educating herself so that she could pass that on to others. And I think that if I kind of boil it down to the real, if I distill it into the main idea of why I love teaching, it's because I feel so inspired and hopeful about the future in working with children. I feel like that keeps me grounded in and forward thinking instead of being stuck in a lot of things that are going on in our environment that could keep me down. I feel very hopeful, happy, and optimistic in working with kids every day. Um, so I'll speak. I'm Queen Ilfiger, but um, being a product of DPS, I dropped out when I was in the 10th grade um, from one of the large high schools, but then I also, that was part of my family, like everyone in my family. When I say everyone, I mean cousins, I mean, and I bring this up all the time because I, I also share this with my students, but um, being a product of a family, DPS, and then where they didn't care when I dropped out, they weren't really worried about it, um, but then also my family, that's been like the tradition. It's like education wasn't a huge deal, but you know what? Working hard was. Like if you may not read a book, but you You're will pay some of these bills, right? <laughs> right. Um, and then I also, uh, as I got older, um, I read um, kind of like some books by Dr. Jawanza Kunjufu, like to be popular or smart, and also uh, The Covenant with Black America. and call to action like many teachers of color and like why they're necessary and so when I got into teaching it was because um, given the schools that I went to I was not the only teacher of color or person of color that had that experience with our school system and and so it was kind of like to answer that call to help uh, uplift my people and as a means for social justice and I think that's something that I don't always see happening even though that's like that was my goal and I think I mentioned this earlier in one of the PDs but that and that's something that I'm working on and something that I'm striving for, but that's why I initially decided to become wow. a teacher. That's cool. Powerful. Um, I'm Melina Chocomarante. Um, for me, I guess it's a two-part answer. Uh, you know, uh, I came to education, then teaching. Um, when it came to education, I, I had a very negative uh, relationship with education. The same thing for um, Queen Ilfiger, my family, really didn't see education as something that was important. Working hard, obviously, was important, but... Um, uh, being a first-generation Cuban, uh, it was just difficult. And um, in middle school, um, I, I, my family was homeless. And there was a time in which I just 
didn't feel very connected to my teachers. I didn't really feel very connected to my community until I finally had a teacher that, that took interest in me and kind of noticed that something was wrong. Um, and then after that, I really took an interest in education. And for me, that teacher told me that education was a way to kind of escape the situation. Um, and so I just kind of took it, um, you know, both feet in the water. Um, but eventually, uh, I realized that it wasn't necessarily something that I needed to escape, but something that I wanted to go back to. Um, and so that's why I, I started teaching, um, because I wanted to go back to my community. And, and that's why I started teaching in Spanish um, in the Montbello area um, to begin with, um, because I, uh, when I came into to education, I, I didn't know English, and that was what made it so difficult to begin with, um, because at that time, they didn't have ELAS programs. They didn't have the Tinley model or bilingual programs. Um, and so it's just so eye-opening to be able to be part of that movement. Yeah. I guess uh, I'll kind of speak after that because uh, oh, and I, I, smiling prophet here. Smiling, right? <laughs> and he he is currently smiling. <laughs> he is currently smiling. In case y'all were wondering, I would say that growing up, I always had a really positive relationship to school because I fit into the structure that that school is built on. Like I excelled. I was really successful. I got good grades. I was always, you know, receiving praise from my teachers. And so I never really had like a negative association with school until I started getting older. And then it wasn't so much about like what I could do in the classroom, but it was, I began to realize I don't fit in here. Um, and so as a person of color in a predominantly white community, school started to feel less and less like a place that I belonged. Um, not because I couldn't hang or not because like I, I couldn't do the work that was being asked of me, but because of the, the, the cultural divide that I was starting to feel. Um, and this kind of, again, speaks to why I ended up at, as a teacher. Um, in, in high school, I really lacked language. I had all these feelings. I knew things were wrong. I knew that I felt things that didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, but whenever I try to speak on that, like it just never came out right and it was so easy to disregard and, and, and dismiss what I had to say. Um, my peers would, you know, oh, here he goes again. Um, and, yep. you know, and my teachers didn't have... Everybody just nodded. <laughs> <when they> <laughs> said, <laughs> zoned out. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I left high school really like I never, like, congratulations, I hope I never see any of you again. Right. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> I got to to college because I knew like that was growing up that that was the next step. I there was college was never like an option for me. It was like you will go to college, um, and so I knew that I was going to college. I knew that there was you know a system that you had to get into. You have to declare a major and all of that. Um, and so I was good at language arts. I decided to be an English lit major, and pretty soon I was just as miserable in college as I was in high school. Um, hated these classes, nothing was interesting. I'm like, why am I reading about 15th century something? And I'm like, what, why? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and so then one of my, my friends was like, you should really check out ethnic studies. Um, and so like that fundamentally shifted for me um, my life purpose. Like, I've always been an activist. I've always, you know, seen myself as somebody who recognizes injustice and, and works to, you know, to, to, to dismantle those structures that allow injustice to, to, to happen. But ethnic studies was the first time that I really truly felt that knowledge was power, that education was something that could be used as a tool for liberation. Um, that was the moment where I was like, I read something and like, like a piece of my spirit was spoken to. And I'm like, 
this is some you know, this is some BS that I had to wait till I was in college to have this type of education. And if, if we really look about it, I had to wait and I was still super privileged and like primed to have this experience. Um, the communities who need this type of education are disenfranchised and not even allowed this opportunity. That's and right. I was like, yep. this is what I need to do. Um, and so I decided to get into the classroom because if I could, in my position, be empowered like that through education, you know, what potential does it have um, for, for, for the young young folks we work with every day? Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's awesome. a great perspective. So we got a couple we haven't heard from. We yeah. have, we have uh, expert assassin yeah. over here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I can really relate um, to Zach's story. I am blessed to come from a family of, um, I'm not first generation to go to college. I came from a family of people that stressed the importance of education. And um, growing up on the south side of Chicago, I had the opportunity to experience a large number of teachers of color, um, very different from DPS. And um, middle school, high school, went to an HBCU, which continued to build my foundation and strengthen me. As Hold on, shout family. out, shout out your shout school. Shout out to Wilberforce University. All, All right, right. There, University. there we go. There we go. Went back home and um, finished my bachelor's and master's at Chicago State University, which is HBCU in itself. So I had that foundation and that 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 building up of me as a black woman to help me go out and actually deal with um, the world that I was going to encounter. Um, I served in the military for eight years, and that was a shock to my system mm. of racism, sexism, and all those isms that. Um, you know, exist in our world today. All converged on one All point. All converged on one point. Um, spent a little time in corporate America. Um, throughout that time, though, was really um, teaching and educating others. Where in the military and corporate America, and I was always told by others, you need to be a teacher, you need to be a teacher, you need to go back. I was like, I'm not going to I fought against it, actually, for a little bit. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back. And you know how life is, it takes you down many different paths. Um, and I felt the purpose and that I needed to go back and, 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 and be that face for a lot of our kiddos who don't see many of us in the classroom. Um, and like I said, I had the, the blessing. You know, people might not think growing up on the South Side was a blessing, South Side of Chicago, but it was because I did have teachers that strengthened me, you know, and lifted me up along with my family and my HBCU. And so, um, bringing me here to Denver five years ago was kind of a, a little shock. <laughs> a, little shock. <laughs> a lot of shock and awe going on in your life here. But I am really blessed to be here. I love my kiddos. I love the students that I teach. I love just dropping those little nuggets. It's not always about the content that you teach, but those nuggets in life, those life skills, yep. those things that resonates with them, that will stay with them when they leave, that really... Um, empowers me and really makes me happy to be an educator. That's a big question. I think you got us all kind of emotional. You can get in your feelings. I just want to add that at lunchtime, her room was a place of beauty. The kids just congregated there because they love her. So... My, mine congregate because my grade book's never updated. You said that I didn't turn in, but I, I turned this in. I think that's a unifying t uh, theme for yes. a lot of us at yes. this table. I think so. yeah. <laughs> Being behind on work or like <laughs> having kids in your room all having the time. Having kids in our room. Yeah. Oh, sure. The morning, yeah. uh, yeah. in the afternoon, there's always some kids. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so we got erratic criminal, we got expert commander. 
I think you're injuring the commandante. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I took an urban education course by um, Roberto Montoya, and I really shout out to Beto. Class. And I, it was weird because I was like, I walked in there and there was a bunch of white people, and I was like, huh. I, I was is confused it? because I was like, you're looking at your schedule, like, is this yeah, the right? Like, this did they change education the education class? Yeah. He was sitting there like, because he's um, I think he's Mexican American. I'm not, yeah, hundred percent sure. And um. When I walked in there, I was like, okay, well, he's a friendly face, but everyone else was like, I'm just going to sit in, like, like always in the corner, and yep. I know I shouldn't do that, but... Um, hey, Gad, I, yeah. I think you're highlighting why it's important that schools yeah. are finding teachers of color, right? Yeah. I think you yeah. highlight, it's exactly. like, hey... I feel comfortable because you're here. You're the only reason why I'm willing to stick around. Because if it was that just... That's how it is. You're like, Smile like, yes. I'll he, stay because you're here. Everybody like, else. I, I remember my first year at this school, um, I assigned seats using the Loteria cards, if you've seen those. Oh, and yeah. I, I have yeah. like two sets, and I'm like, all right, yeah, find the Calavera. That's where you're going to be sitting. And I had one student um, in her senior presentation say, I knew you were cool because when I walked in your class, you you handed me I forget which one it was, and she's like, "That's that's like my culture." And it's like, "Oh, yes. this guy's gonna be all right." Yeah. And so yes. like you find that's that safe right. space for she sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> important to see yourself in the school. Yeah, it's important. All right, expert commander, why do you why do you do this madness? I always, I always say why I did this. He started oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Did he start? The autobiography of Malcolm X. Malcolm X, that's right. Or as one of my students referred to him, Malcolm the Tenth. Oh, <laughs> to Malcolm the Tenth. Uh, Some of the things. The tenth like, no, 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 no. It's Mal Malcolm X. It's oh, X. No. It's actually that's an X. That's the first time yeah. I've heard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this was, this was a long time ago. Okay. I feel like Malcolm's become a, a, a little more known at this point. Yeah, definitely. But still surprising, though, that a lot of our white teachers have not read Malcolm X. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is, which to is me it, is... Are we surprised? Wait, I was going to say... Army. Is, is that surprising? I mean, are we point, really? I mean, it's almost blasphemous. Well, there's I, all these other classics that we're like, it's a classic. You have to read, you have to read The Great Gatsby. You have to read this. Yep. Yeah. You know, but nobody's ever like, hey, you got to read the autobiography of Malcolm X because yeah. like in my community, like that's, that's the canon. That's like yeah. when people talk yeah. about like what sparked you, like rappers, uh, athletes, you know, I go, to, I go to the typical. Well, we <laughs> but, but, slander, but, they always... but let me tell you, I used to work at a school in white suburbia, and I had them order 500 copies of the autobiography of Malcolm X, and I told them it needed to be canon, and got pushback because it wasn't challenging enough with the <laughs> vocabulary <laughs> use. This is clearly somebody who hasn't read the book. <laughs> There's right? pretty challenging stuff in There's there. There's an entire section about vocabulary and how it changes him. Wow. You know? You can see a scene where, he's reading, was, where they're reading the dictionary. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. That, it, that was shortly before I left. So, <laughs> you know what? Let me go. So, so one thing I hear... Just, I mean, and this is this comes as a surprise to no one that I feel like 100% of the people in this space um, feel called to teaching it differently than, well, I just need a job, I need to pay right. the rent, no. I need to do those kinds of things, that it feels like a calling for folks. Um, so two questions, I suppose, and we can kind of like, we, we can kind of like mishmash them all together. Um, the first is, 
Do we think that this particular kind of calling is unique to teachers of color or minority teachers, as it were? Um, and secondly, um, what does it mean for you? You know, uh, I, have to, I have to double check the name. So the, so the expert assassin talked about having this presence of students in her classroom constantly. Are there things that are unique to teachers of color that maybe aren't, aren't as typical in the dominant culture of teachers? I can speak to that. I'm not afraid of the children. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just going to put that out there right now. I love the children, you know, and people can you smell go. your fear. And when you come into the classroom, this is thunderous, by the way, you yes. come into the classroom with this sort We're of, you know, nickname. look like you're going to die at any moment. Right. Of course, people are going to have a response to that. You know, and I, I will say that wow. I have not had so-called discipline problems. And I'm right. making finger quotes, okay? <laughs> like intense That's right. finger quotes. The air quotes don't show up on the podcast, yeah. but there they are. Yeah. <laughs> They're happening right now, of course. But I have not had discipline problems, you know? I mean, it has been an experience that has changed me and I have been, I have felt so loved and so respected. Um, I used to teach in a lecture hall with Smiling Prophet, and we had some really challenging conditions. We had a huge section of what, like 50 10th graders, and it was really intense. Fun. Like, no projector, no whiteboard. This was do your dead thing. Mice. There may be dead mice scampering on the floor, but we if want the you to bring it. Scampering, that'd be you crazy. Know, <laughs> don't be scared, just bring it. And bring it, we did, you know. And it was, it was really empowering to be able to strip down teaching to the bare bones and I can say if you're gonna have discipline problems you would have them in that environment but we <laughs> yeah. felt so much love and we experienced so many highs a few lows but it was a great great year yeah. Yeah. Um, something that I've noticed is just to kind of go off of what one thing that I've witnessed, and I will also say even in regard to when I was in school, which was a long time ago, but it's kind of, you kind of see this like savior complex, mm -hmm. like that students are meant to be, oh, poor little you, you're here in Montbello or the east side or wherever you come from. <laughs> Sorry, was I not? Okay, but you know what, I'm going to help you and we're going to do this together. And that um, I, I do see that many of our students are viewed as like the other, and I'm also using air quotes as in other. So There's another air quote count. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. We're up to two on air quotes. Two, but where anytime that I'm in the classroom, and I will also say, speak for my colleagues who are here with me, that I view each and every one of those students as as if they could be my own mm. or my those that could be my niece that could be my yeah, nephew including um some of my white students who um or even like the good students that i generally like have a problem with i don't know what it is i just i just don't get along with the good students like i don't like them i don't know what but anyway why is that i have problems but anyway but like but I, I do witness that that like the othering of many of our students yeah. when um teachers who have who come from middle class and who will go in there and say they're like, oh, I'm not used to this because this isn't like the school I went to at all. I'm like, oh, well, you know, buckle up because <laughs> 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 
But Queen, I mean, the, the thing that you're speaking about, you know, you see the, the, the kids as they could be your children. Mm -hmm. That's very different from being maternalistic or paternalistic, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I think a lot of our, some of our white counterparts come to, the, come to education with is this idea that they are dealing with uh, children in the, in the uh, poorest choice of, of the word. Um, where they don't see the kids as as being intelligent, mm -hmm. as being able to make decisions mm -hmm. for themselves. And so there's a certain degree of paternalism or paternalism in, in a negative context um, that is pervasive. And, and that, that, that coupled with the savior complex is, mm -hmm. is really problematic for our uh, colleagues. Um, and so just, you know, when you ask the question, is there anything unique to to what educators of colors do. My initial feeling was, no, there's not, because that kind of gives a scapegoat to our white colleagues as to, you know, well, they can do it because mm -hmm. they're black yeah. or brown yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but the, the issue of fear that um, Thundras uh, brought up earlier. Um, we need table tents. I think is, <laughs> is, is important um, and makes me think about what I've noticed amongst uh, educators of color, the ones that are really in it about, you know, for, for the calling, is that there's a, a sense of we mm -hmm. with the student. We are going to get through this. We are going to do the work. We are going to um, uh, create the change that we want to see in the world. Um, and so we, we're in it with them. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you said. Um, as the hunter, I'm hunting out like <laughs> different. Is. is that working? Like other like yes. I like things that are kind of going like on it. here. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce myself as a hunter to my own class. Um, yes. So so one, but one thing that's interesting is that um, is is that uh, the irate observer and I were in a session. Uh, where where a colleague spoke about us and said that we're the cool teachers, cool teachers. right? Mm. And first of all, like if you would have told my friends in high school that I was a cool person, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really think they would have agreed with that. But but it, but it's that, some of that coded language, right? And yeah. When you yeah. say when you yeah. say these um, these teachers from any dominant culture, and this can be male teachers, can be white teachers, can be cis teachers. Mm -hmm. um, when they call out things like that, you know, and I, I don't know how many times I've heard the comment, oh, well, they just like you because you're young. Cool, I'm, not, you're now young I'm, not, you know, I'm not young anymore, right? Mm -hmm. But but it's because, you, you know, you, you're just like this really you're cool just personality. Laid you're, you're, you're laid back. You're, you're, you don't have any expectations. Yeah, you don't have any yeah. expectations. Why does there have to be a reason? Well, I mean, that's right. I think that's coded language for this certain work I can't do. So it kind of excuses right. the, re the responsibility right. that you have as a, as a teacher to mm -hmm. really work on yourself. That's mm -hmm. right, that's and, right. And I that's think really just to quote. go off of that, that's also why um, we're looked at as being like the disciplinarians too, is that when there's a need for students to be kind of taken care of in a sense. We need to talk to that student. You need to, you need to talk to that. What's wrong with Miss Blake? Can you talk to just just real quick? Happens all the time. Miss Queen, they call you Miss Queen, right? Miss Queen, Miss Queen. They come and get me. But I do think we regard to Commander. The commander was This is the expert command, <laughs> commander, not to be confused with the Medianoche Comandante. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, um, that that's 
kind of like we get we get placed yeah. in these boxes too as teachers of color like and that like we're looked at as cool or like for example like I'm an African American woman, but I'm look at, looked at as being domineering, and yeah. that I'm oh, so, yeah. um, and that's why my classroom is the way it is. When, um, to be perfectly honest with you, I just have really high expectations for my students, and I know they know better. And but some of the stuff that mm-hmm. is allowed in other classrooms, they already they, they know better. And can I just say, because I, well, I know, know they you, weren't taught that way, you yes. balance that with love. You mm-hmm. balance that with love. Yeah, but the irony is also that. The thing that connects you to the students is the thing that dis- distances you from Your other colleagues. staff members. Yep. Oh. You, you've noticed that too? Or? <laughs> so speak more on that. Say more about uh, that. That's good. Expert commander. Because well, I th- cause, cause again, everybody smiled when you said that. And they're like, yeah. Well, I think the, 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 the black woman around the table uh, can speak to this more eloquently than I can. All right. Um, I can say um, from personal experience, there have been multiple times when the angry black woman right. stereotype yep. surfaces. Um, and also, I've actually had someone say to me that when I tell someone, no, they can't go to the bathroom, it sounds different and has a different effect, mm. and I'm allowed to do it, mm. and they're not able to. And I just think that, like you said, it's a little bit of a cop-out. Yeah, um, and I, you know, I could go on and on with that hashtag about how many times in a group of colleagues I have come with an idea and then someone else has said the exact same thing and they get all kinds of accolades and snaps and you know whatever else. It can be a female, a male, whatever, because it's happened a lot where the person will say the exact same thing that I just said and everyone responds to what they said. And I'm just like, did I not say that? Did I not say anything? <laughs> Was I unclear? No, and it can feel very, um, very, I suppose, like you're marginalized, pushed to the fringes. People don't listen. And so at the same time that Queen over here is saying that she speaks her mind and people, quote unquote, here's the air quotes, don't like that. I feel like they just don't want to do it, so they're jealous. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, Queen commands attention because she's sure of herself when she speaks. She's a highly educated black woman. She knows what she stands for. She's, she's confident. She's been there, done that, right? Yeah. What's wrong with any of that? That's and right. And you know? she's been and she's been successful in in multiple arenas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Whereas, you know, yeah. she's been successful in an arena where she is not, she does not belong to the dominant culture. Okay. Whereas our, whereas white, our white colleagues are coming into an arena where they are no longer the dominant culture, where the students are primarily uh, students of color, and so now they're put in a position where uh, their way of being is not, is not. Um, they're losing that privilege, yeah. right? Yes. Right? They lose that privilege. Like you come into this world, distinguished, and that was a problem. Then the comments were made that only teachers of color got the distinguished rating, which was so hurtful. It's it's just I, I'm I'm laughing because this notion that that being a person who's marginalized in one or many ways is all of a sudden an advantage is so strange to me. <laughs> it really is. It really is. How did this change? <laughs> it's, it's like really, I, don't feel I would have like enjoyed some of the other aspects of my life. Right. No. Right. I would love to hear from Comandante as well yeah. about any experiences that you may have had um, being marginalized, silenced, or even just with um, just experiences in general. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I, you know, I, I really wanted to quickly speak to to what you were speaking of. I'm sorry. Uh, the command, command. Expert commander. Commander to commander. Y'all going to speak. About not allowing uh, white teachers to, to cop out, right? And I, and I think mm. that it's it's this aspect of expectations, and, and I know that that's been echoed a few times, but. I think that we need to we need to look at the deeper root. Like, what are the expectations that we are setting for these individual students, right? And if we're setting a classroom expectation that you need to meet us, you know, this is where we are, and having that kind of we um, classroom mentality that we're working together, that we're a community, mm -hmm. and that um, that if we fail, we all fail together. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's really important. Um, yeah. And not having those different expectations for each student, but having everybody meet that expectation. Yeah, that's right. Um, but as for feeling like marginalized. I feel like that really roots from a long time ago in elementary school when I was really learning English, and you know I, I was navigating this this brand new school and learning new content and also learning a new language. Um, and then at home, I, I was forbidden to speak English. I had to write lines: "No se habla inglés en la casa, solamente en la escuela," which means I shall not speak in English at home, only at school. Um, every time that I spoke, came, a word came up in that Cuban household. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's that well, my, my grandfather, like my grandfather, refused to learn English, and he said, "Es no quiero hablar perro." I don't want to speak dog. And I was like, yeah, that's, wow, Grandpa, that's kind of rough. <laughs> but there's definitely that, like, where you have this home culture that's kind of pulling on you for sure. Sorry to me to cut you off. No, no, it's okay. And I, and I feel like it's a product of the past that, you know, this is the language that you need to transition to, right? That the language that you were speaking is wrong and incorrect, yep. and you yep. need to speak our language. While I feel like we're having this shift that, you know, we're having a, students are becoming biliterate. Right, that not only can they speak in, in a different language, but they can read and they can write mm -hmm. in a different language, and that's amazing. Um, and I feel like having this this movement towards biliteracy, and and not that this is something that's bad, but something that can actually benefit you in the future, yeah. is, is so beautiful. All um, the evidence says that uh, biliterate people tend to make more money, they're more successful. <laughs> more money, like, more like, money. like that's the big money. picture. That's the big <laughs> okay. picture. It's like. We dock kids for the skills that they bring that, that are going to be a benefit in the future. And it's like, we don't build on the background of what kids bring, you know? It's like, and I think when we think about, like, the difference between some of our white colleagues and us is that, like, we understand that you bring something from home. Or that, you, you know, you might come from a, a poor neighborhood, but there's, there's some religion that you, you might know the Bible better than anybody else in the room, right? You might know certain stuff. You know, you fix cars. You, you do stuff. You know what happens when times get rough, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's a skill. That's knowledge that these kids bring. I think kind of building on that and, and back to this idea of like what, what do teachers of colors do differently or, or, or whatnot. And I, I also agree that, you know, this shouldn't be framed in like, oh, only teachers of color can do this. I just mm -hmm. think that maybe it's more ingrained in us. Maybe it comes more natural to us. But I definitely do see that. Like one of the things that we do is that when students come into our classroom, it's not an expectation that you have to change anything about you to fit in right. here. Mm -hmm. That like we've created space for you at the table and that you and all that you bring is going to add to this classroom and make it what it is. Like you don't, you don't have these rules and things that you have to pass through first before you are an acceptable student. Like you are acceptable as is, yeah. we're gonna grow together. Um, and that takes, a, we say we love our students, but like I, I'm talking about real radical love, like you, Sometimes like that love that is for the student, yeah, right? like yeah. for real, yeah. and like yeah. that, that love that James Baldwin talks about that love. Like he talks about the love that takes our mask off, the the love that that is is hard and, and painful. That's right, you know, and that's what really is going to lead us to a, a greater sense of humanity. And like that's I think 
part of our classrooms. Like <coughs> when when students and they we may not say it, but students can feel that. Um, you know, and and they they know that. And I I think one way that I kind of show them that for me is I'm not afraid to admit I'm wrong. And that's probably one of the first things I share with students is like right. I make mistakes. I am not perfect. That. You know, I am your teacher, but you are going to be my teacher. I'm your student as much as you are my student. Um, and, and really owning that and, and being transparent with that. And when students hear you admit your flaws or when you make a mistake in the classroom, you've done something wrong, you've damaged a relationship, rather than turning to the side and be like, oh, man, if I say something now, then it's going to, you know, throw my whole authority into question. Like, I think we acknowledge that we don't have authority when we walk in. Like, this isn't a power struggle. This isn't about me being this powerful teacher in this classroom of students. This is, uh, this is us together, um, seated in this in this circle, really. Um, and I think I think you hit on something really important. Like, uh, when we talk about like like the issues that we have in our communities, right? When in terms of families and and, and dysfunction and things like that, a lot of it's about how do we react to each other? How do we start to talk to each other? And where do kids, where are kids learning this stuff? It's from us. It's like, look, I'm not gonna attack you because you did wrong, right? And you might've grown up in a house where that happens. But but I'm gonna say there's a different way. We can operate in a different way and, and, and you have a space to, 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 to just be. Right, and I think that's the difference. You know, me growing up in Highlands Ranch and going to Highlands Ranch High School. Oh, I forgot oh, wow. we were we, we were making fun of you about that a while back. Go ahead. And by we, I mean I mean me. <laughs> but 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 being you having eleven that. black kids there. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a, that's it, it, it's it's I saw like there's this whole other reality and, and the opportunity of what kids are allowed to be. You know, and I didn't realize it until I came to Denver Public Schools and I'm like, oh, all kids aren't given this opportunity to have this space and explore ideas and ask questions. You know, and I'm like, the whole reason why I became a teacher is, is like you, Queen, is I hated school. I hated the experience. And I said, I can do something different. I can do something different, you know? Yeah. And I think to that also, like, I wonder how much, like, I think about my own experiences. I went to I went to Manual High School, and it's kind of funny because I look back and I thought of Manual as being as a predominantly white school when I was there. <laughs> and I realized, like looking back, I'm like, I don't think it was. But I think that what was considered normal or exceptional, like all the classes you needed to be in. You know, I tell the stories about how my mother had to advocate for me to be in AP classes like every single year that I was eligible to take AP classes. Um, I think about that and I think about the whole notion that if, if one teacher had been able to, actually, and that's true, shout out to Miss Marsh. Um, shout out Ms. Marsh. What, the one teacher that seemed interested in who I was and interested in, in having, she recruited me into her class for three years from like my ninth grade year. She's like, when you're a senior, you're taking AP Lit. You're going to be in this class. And that was every single year that I was there. But I wonder if that was the only space where I didn't have to like really feel like I had to do anything to impress the teacher. I could just kind of be myself. And I wonder if one thing that arms us as teachers of color when we go into these classrooms is the fact that we've had to be so flexible in our own education, in our own, whether it was in kindergarten, not speaking English the way our comandante over here kind of experienced it, or whether it was in graduate school when everybody's still looking at you sideways like you don't belong there, right? And and so all the little adjustments and negotiations that we have to go through, I mean, you know, you, you your kids, you know, and when I teach, I love teaching popular sovereignty in, in my classes because that's a great opportunity to say to the kids, 
you know I have no power, right? There are 35 of you and one of me. If y'all decided to get up and leave the classroom, even if I was legally able to physically restrain you, I couldn't. If you all wanted to just, like, throw everything I'm doing out the window, you could do it right this second. They kind of look at each other like... Really? <laughs> Wait, what's that called again? What's Pop it? Popular sovereignty. Okay. So in, in, okay. in AP World History, when we teach, uh, when, when we teach the Enlightenment, one of the big ideas it's credited mm -hmm. to uh, Europeans, which actually came from the Islamic world, um, is this idea that really rulers have no power without the people to right. yeah, back it up. And so it's like, so I, and I'll tell them I'm the ultimate puppet ruler here. I'm the ultimate <laughs> puppet dictator. Like, it's like, I will act like I, I'll have lots of bluster and get really fired up about stuff. But if you decide you don't want any of it, I, I am powerless I to do anything about it, yes, and I'm going to go home feeling bad about myself. But like, so so I think about that. The and so when you're in front of a group of students, how it it calls upon us to adjust and adapt and accept. Um, I wonder if that has to do with some of our experiences just growing up as minorities, marginalized people, people of color. I wonder how much of that is because of just what we've had to live. So I would love to speak to that. Um, this is Thunderous again. <laughs> I, when I was 17, I moved to Brazil and I lived there with a Brazilian family and it changed my life because I got to experience what it's like to be a brown or black person in a different context. And that for me was really eye-opening, but I also experienced that type of revolutionary love that um, Smiling Prophet was talking about. I moved to a region of, the, um, of Brazil, the northeastern region of Brazil, where a lot of people are mixed indigenous and then Portuguese. So during that time, I did develop an awareness of um, just kind of what being a Brazilian is, but then also being Afro-Brazilian, being indigenous Brazilian, being Japanese Brazilian, um, and I was able to kind of compare that with what it's like to be here. Along the way, I was learning a language that I now see as my preferred first language, actually, because when I speak it, I feel that um, that love, that inclusivity, that acceptance. Mm -hmm. I am able to express things that I can't necessarily in English. And it's better for me to write. That has always been, it's easier for me to write than it is for me to speak. And I still write a lot in Portuguese because that's just a way that I really like expressing myself. It's not perfect, but I have learned also the power in not having everything you write have to be perfect. So if I can you know, bring that experience of living in Brazil into my current context of teaching, um, I feel like that experience of getting outside of my framework, outside of Southern California, where I can say I felt like a very stereotypical Southern California girl of the 90s, if anyone really knows <laughs> what that's like. You know, I had the Tupac poster on my wall. You know, I flat ironed my hair all the time. I don't, I don't think that was just a California thing. Maybe not. I had starter jackets going on, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, taking you back a little bit, right? Um, but yeah, if I can bring that in now, I think that I can confidently say that almost any student I can find a connection with them. And, mm. um, and you know, I have one, I have two actually white students right now. They're both in the AP Lit class, period 10, and they don't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> they argue all the time in a very passive aggressive fashion. Yeah. But 
I have a connection with one of them because she loves to read with a passion. So she and I just connect over books. Yeah. And then the other one really just likes any kind of attention. So as long <laughs> as it's, you know. She's a diva. She, she'll go with negative attention. I mean, not that I give that, but, you know, if, if there's any kind of an attention, she's attention seeking quite a bit. Um, so I try to I try to nurture whatever I can in her. And, you know, sometimes we're bonding over plugging in the Chromebooks at the end of the day. But but I think that I have been helped a lot by the experience of traveling and living somewhere else. And I do also speak fluent Spanish. And so it helps me connect with folks um, in multiple ways. And I'm very grateful for that gift. Mm. You know, and I'd love to speak to that. Um, and this is Medianoche. And you know, I feel like we're able to make those, you know, those very quick connections because we're so hyper aware of our identity, right, and how that intersects. And I think that it's so important to validate identity because you know, 2017, you know, we're so past colorblind, and <laughs> it, it's it's so necessary to understand how those identities intersect, right? And yeah. you know, I'm a light-skinned Latin woman, and I understand that I have a lot of privilege for being light-skinned, yeah. and it's so important to be able to intersect those identities. And you know, kind of bringing back to the original question about what is unique. Um, and something that's really easily applicable to all teachers is the first day of school here, I, I did a huge PowerPoint and said, this is my life, this is me, you know, and, and I was honest, you know, like, um, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat things, I, I'm going to say that my family is, is a family of immigrants and, and how they came here and um, what was my childhood like, um, my mother was in jail, and that's something that they need to hear because they need to see that someone else has experienced that. And then you're able to make those connections with students because they feel safe to be able to share that with you. Um, and it doesn't feel alien. Exactly. Right? It yeah. doesn't feel like some other whoa that's, or, or like when you walk around feeling like there's some kind of stigma associated with having a parent that was incarcerated. Uh -huh. A student looks at you and says, well, <laughs> then this is something that, that isn't, it, it's not, out there anymore. right yeah. yeah and and it's it's not seen so much in a negative light you know because it's it's something that that many people have experienced and you're able to share those those joint experiences and mm -hmm. and, and how that feels to be a child and, and have a a parent in jail and, and that's hard it really really is, is um and to have an adult figure that that is not your parent or someone in your family to be able to have that conversation with um really creates those connections and I'll just add that onto our earlier thread that we were talking about in terms of characteristics of teachers of color. There's my finger quote. There's <laughs> can you see them? Four at this point. Yes. That's right. We're saying your name to finger quote. You the mercenary piece I really here, like, like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah I will um, I think that keeping it real you know and being unafraid to take down that wall or barrier is something that I've noticed um, is a common denominator you know if you if you have something that other I have noticed a lot of our white colleagues have a sort of barrier where they don't think it's appropriate to let kids in mm -hmm. and that is distancing and it it keeps folks from being um, as effective or authentic, authentic yeah. successful, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Just some thoughts that I had while we were, as we were speaking, is that to be honest, like the majority of my of my students are black and brown students, mm -hmm. right? I don't even think I have a white student this year. But <laughs> if I were standing in front of a sea of white students, mm -hmm. would I be as sharing? Like, would I be as That's willing to share? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like my background. Mm -hmm. Um, in regard to like, of course, the educational background of my family and myself and like some of the stuff I got into when I was getting older. But what I, if I was in front of a bunch of white students, would I still share that part of me? And I, 
I honestly do not think I would because come going into that space, I would automatically assume whether, you know, right or wrong, that they're already judging me based mm -hmm. off of the, what they perceive me to be. And so I think that being an educator of color, that um, many of my strengths, not that I wouldn't be able to um, make, create and maintain relationships with students who are white, but I do think that some of my saving grace is that many of my students are black and brown. Yeah. But um, I also don't know if I'd want to teach in front no, uh, no offense to those yeah, who yeah. do, but yeah. I would, I, that's not why I'm doing this. Sure. I, would, I would not want to teach in front of a sea of white. Yeah. Well, sure. NPR did a, did a study, well not NPR, NPR reported a study that was done by, I think, um, some college in, in uh, California, maybe UC Berkeley. I wanted to say University of Chicago, but that does not seem no, like it would come out of University of Chicago. Uh, yeah. And what they found was, is that teachers of color are preferred by all, all students. Kids. All we students. Yep. Spice, that was on the show. You know, and so <laughs> the, the, there's an authenticity. I think you know, in speaking to Queen's point, I don't think she could hide her authenticity, even if she <laughs> yeah. were in mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, a group of uh, you know white students. And I think that's the piece that really draws students to um, people who have that quality. Um, you know. Um, the smiling prophet earlier was also talking about how he how he admits that he doesn't have all the answers that he's going to make mistakes but you could say that and not mean it and still still withhold yeah. your yeah. still withhold you can read the script yeah you can hold your power the you can still hold your power say that and that comes off as you know disingenuous mm. The kids would call it fake. Yeah. 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 They, they call everything fake. <laughs> I like to tell them they're being fake. Like, it's fake. Oh, that yeah, I love to tell kids well, they're being fake. They're like, why language. do you do that? I'm like, hey, did you, did you do being fake. I agree. When I gave you a pass the bathroom, you were good, but now I'm asking you to do something? That's, That's fake. 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 Yes. They look at you like, and they ain't got big. You got to be careful with that, though. That is a scathing indictment. To call somebody fake is a scathing indictment. They will fight you. You will be fighting. But I'm being real. I'm like, look, if I do something for you, and then I come back, ask you to do something, tell your That's fake. <laughs> That's actually helped me. So I had a student who's like a, one of the affected meat students, right? So he has like all these social emotional um, issues, whatever, right? Yeah, they say, they but, say. They right, say. exactly, they right? Say. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so he straight up t was like kind of talking stuff about me. And I don't know if, for those who teach middle school, we know that, you know what? I'm immature. I'm petty, immature. I am petty as F. I don't care that I'm 30 some odd years old. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm petty. Yeah. So he straight up said, like, oh, well, so of course I know he loves me and I love him back. And, and I know this, right? I don't need, yeah, I don't yeah, need yeah, you reassurance from yeah. him. I don't need that. Um, he, was, he was telling me because he didn't like it, I wanted him to work in my class. And he's like, oh, well, Dr. Blank's class is better. Knowing, and I know daggone well. Like, you know, everybody has told me they don't like, yeah, you know, this class, whatever. You already know. And then he's like, well, I just like it better in there because then I get to work by myself. And I'm like, you know what? 
um, blank student, whatever his name is, right? Mr. Student. Um, <laughs> you are, that's fake. And I was like, oh, that's fake. But in the classroom, because at first he's trying to keep it hush hush. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh no, what'd you say? Oh, Mr. Student, you said blah, blah, blah. Is that true? That's fake, bro. That's <laughs> fake. And he's like, no, sh- the be quiet. And sure enough, like, then of course, then I was able to kind of like handle the situation. But I had to get down to his level. Yeah. And I'm not above that. I'm not above that. I don't I care. Yes. I don't care how many degrees I have. Like, I'm just like, yes. We can yes. go there, but yeah, I can roast. I can roast too, bro. I can roast too, bro. Yeah, I'm sure you want to do this. Right now, I woke up like this. I woke up like this. Yeah, Miss Cook. She thinks she's something because you're from Chicago. Bring it. Please, you see, you know, you know, all day, every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's ready. She stays ready. That's it. So, so we are we are at the hour mark, Um, and I know people got things to get back to. Uh, Any final thoughts before we get into our complaining corner? Um, Y'all think you've been complaining now? (laughs) When are we going to do this again? Because I do not want this to be like a one and done or a one hit a quitter type thing. For sure, we would love. We would love to have y'all in. Like this. this, I mean, this This is is fun. This is what I think. This is what we got into it for. Yeah, you're right. And we always say it's cathartic. It's like it is. Like we're not. Like we don't actually care if people listen. Like we just care that they (laughs) subscribe, download, Mm -hmm. like us on social media. Then other than that, we don't really care. Because it might be more for us. Don't worry. I know. I get get retweeted all the time there. I feel like I'm going to change my Twitter handle to the Hunter. So, uh, all right. Well, let's get to the complaining corner. Um, so, so the rules on the complaining corner, and we'll we'll do this. We'll we'll look at about ten minutes. Complaining corners. So the main guideline is we don't complain about things that are really significant. Like we're not here to complain about patriarchy because because there's like because although if there's small kind of examples of that, so we'll do an example here real quick. But we will find some petty stuff that we can kind of complain about. Mm-hmm. Let's do our complaining corner bumper song. Complaining corner. Com- complaining, complaining corner. corner. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'm so music. so irate yeah, observer, yeah, irate. Yeah, he does. He handles I'm, the music, which is why the situation is what it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew it was yeah, coming. Yeah. I knew it was dope, coming. Right? It's dope. That's dope. The situation dope. is dope. Um, irate observer, you had some thoughts on broken pencils. Broken pencils. <laughs> All right. So as a sixth grade teacher. But you have this great poem that you introduced. I ain't got no pencil, right? I ain't got no pencil. I didn't write it. I didn't write someone else. The idea, you know, I I always want my kids to learn. If you don't have a pencil, that's no problem. I'm going into my retirement fund. I'm buying more pencils. (laughs) He's going into the the retirement fund. (laughs) Right? But the thing is, is that sixth grader boys, they like to snap pencils. They like to pop them. And I catch these kids, and one kid was like, I was like, don't you break that pencil. If you break that pencil, you have detention. And he's like, mister, these are my own pencils. My mama bought them for me. I was like... Boy, I'm gonna call your mom <laughs> and let her know that you up here breaking the pencils yeah, that she, she bought for you. you. You just yeah. failed. You handed them out to people. Child, you you just handed them here. Break, see fake. if you can break two. Yep. Here's four. See, I want to. I want to. I want to stop you for a second because I, you know, we talk about like initially. I thought about this issue as just being accidental. Like, I, and you say six. I teach all high school. And in my junior classes, pens are mangled, they're taken apart, they're destroyed, they're on the floor, all this kind of stuff. And part of me was like, okay, they're just like careless and this kind of thing. But how many of y'all did pencil wars in school? Pencil pop, that was, it'd be one thing. If they were playing pencil pop, then I would have been like, 
All right, pop no. I'd have been like, let me go. And by the way, those of you at the table who may, in the present or in the future, have my child in class, like we had a very long conversation while the stupid stuff I did in middle school, destruction, all that kind of stuff. So, so is this intentional or is it? You know, I often wanted that because I taught U.S. history, right? Do they just not? And so, whenever I teach about slavery, during slavery. Oh, now you like, made it serious. People, okay, I got serious. <laughs> but the, the slaves would break the tools, right? And, okay. and, and the, the masters would be like, what's wrong with them? There's something wrong with them. I don't know what's wrong with them. I, I can't figure it out. No. They've got apart a real from, problem, right? That's what I was going So, so they're breaking the pencils, right? And I think they're breaking the pencils because they're like, I, I ain't doing it. I'm with that. I ain't doing it. I'm done with it, right? But so to get back, commanders buying that. Yeah, no, but I think I, I, I believe some of that plays into it is that they're like, this is my way to get back. And And I can't work. In the same way the so slaves. So they came back at like, you or at the institution? I, I think it's, it's everything. It it's, it's me. Doesn't it's matter. the institution. <laughs> I think it doesn't matter. But the other thing, so I bought, I bought some, some golf pencils, <laughs> right? Because I'm like, Thinking I'm tired of Thinking that they won't break them. Tired. Maybe first comment, what's wrong with these pencils? Why don't they have an eraser? What's wrong with them? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it. What's wrong with the pen? Boy, you better be happy. You got a pencil. You know, and, I, and then I bought some big erasers, and I was like, nope, some people don't get the big erasers. No, they're projectiles. Yeah, they're projectiles. Modernizing the, the eraser. <laughs> you, can buy, you can use the eraser. I'll bring it to you. I got you. Queen has an eraser named oh, Erica. Okay? Erica, Erica comes eraser. around and she doesn't put up with kids. You can but explain it back. She's got to pick this up. So what had happened was, is that like, I went That's to a Kagan workshop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm starting to implement like more Kagan strategies yeah. into my classroom. And there's there's um, some strategies where you work with a partner, a shoulder partner, whatever, and you only have one pencil and one piece of paper. So... But in order, okay, so it's called roundtable consensus. Uh-huh. And wait, should I be? Anyway, but it's roundtable <laughs> consensus, and all, and the only way that you can write down your answer is if you have to verbalize it first, and um, and you have to come to a consensus or coach someone through it, right? Uh-huh. And they take turns, so there's only one pencil. But my students, because they're not used to that, right? That um, that and of course it's something different. I have a big. Big old eraser that I use. <laughs> we drew a face on it, and it is Miss Erica's eraser. Natural. She has beautiful natural yes. curly hair and a scowl. And a scowl. Uh, we're we're going to need a picture of Erica. Actually, our, I, got I got one. To put on our social media. Okay, I'll sure. send it to you. So, I think it's actually on my Instagram. But, yeah, because um, yeah, I had to. Because she's all about that paper. Like, that's like Erica. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, no, no. She will circulate with me. And I'm holding this eraser. And she will sit, and if I will ask them, like, do you know what you just wrote down? Because they'll be like, oh, yeah, just write this down. And then there's one student who generally, like, takes the lead, and they're telling yeah, everybody yeah. what to do. But then if everybody does not understand, Erica will come yeah, around, and like she'll be like, whoop, you don't know. And then <laughs> when you walk around, what was Erica, I don't know my <laughs> I love that. But then, so my students say, "What's even more hilarious, though, is that when Erica would come around, of course, I'm I'm walking around with her because she can't walk by herself. No, no, but not yet, not yet. They started hating. They started hating Erica. Like, <laughs> it's not me. They would look at her. They would like, try to like." 
punch her sometimes <laughs> I'm not looking. Yeah. Oh, so, man. anyway, that's your complaint. I don't want to, like, well, plus, you know, I don't have an issue with broken pencils. That's two point. But it is the erasers now that you bring it up. Like, I will get students to erase, like, pencils, and they will go do whatever they have to do to get rid of that eraser. And I'm like, bro, that was a, that was a new pencil. <laughs> or they'll just, like, do? tear it off. They'll just, like, tear it off. What is that? Okay, and then I'm they're like, I need a eraser. I was like, there was, there was an eraser. Had one. It was all one. set up perfectly from the yep. beginning. All right, yep. so so I have a second complaint. Mm, bring <laughs> it. All right, so when that kid walks into your classroom asking where one of your colleagues is, <laughs> hey, Mr. Hunter. That's what they call me, right? <laughs> That's what they call you. Now. Do you know where Mrs. Smith is? I'm like, no, I'm sitting in my, my How thing. do I know? How do I know where this person is? I don't know. Hey, have, have you seen Miss Smith? Where would, like... Did let you, me get my little teacher no. Yeah, you know what? Let me, let me do that. Like, like, I don't know. Did you check their classroom? Well, I checked their classroom and she's not there. I'm like, what do you want me to do about this? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I've got a pile of essays. Like, I do, like... I've been teaching. Am I alone on this? Like, the, asking random things. Have you seen so-and-so? In life, yes. Yes, yes. That's why you got to get that no out that doesn't invite invite further conversation. I ha I have, no, I, no. I have a Harry Potter hat that I put on that's supposed to mean don't bother me, but then they started like taking it and like wearing it, so like that's not working. But, but I don't know. Maybe it's petty. I don't know. But it's just one of those things. Like, I don't know where these people I hear are. That. Well, you're lucky enough to have a classroom. That's all I'm saying. Oh. oh. Yep. You right. have a valid right. complaint. Really? That's your complaint. He has a that valid right. complaint. That ain't right. I feel yeah. like that's bigger than the... So, okay, so what, what's what's the number one just annoyance about not having a classroom? Besides, like, the big things, mm. but what are, like, what are some of the, like, the little things that just slowly erode your soul? Mm. <laughs> like, slowly, not the things that dehumanize you on a daily, but, like, the things that just, like... Well, because I don't have my own classroom, I have to walk a lot in the building. <laughs> So, but uh, get you a Fitbit for sure. No, but yeah. seeing the same student in the hallway all the time, <laughs> just wandering. Oh man, aren't you supposed to be somewhere? <laughs> really, <laughs> another restroom pass? Another one? Really? Oh, do they that? ask you? Do they ask you? Well, how come? How come you're not how anywhere, Mr. Commander? No, they don't. No. Oh, they don't. No, they don't. I like when they come into my class during a planning period and they're like, "So you don't have a class right now?" And I'm like, "Are you busy?" Are you busy? Nah, I'm just chilling watching Netflix. Why don't you have a class right now? I'm like, why, why aren't you in class? Because I'm Please. Oh, we got a picture of Erica. Yeah, that's, I was trying to, I'll send it Well, no wonder she looks so dour. I just love the idea of the kids like, that looks like Erica. No, that is Erica. That looks like Erica. Don't bring that in here. Do not bring that in here. Do you like refill it? Every few races. Well, her hair. She's. I'm still. She did. See, at our school, I feel like students would make a whole bunch of like other. Well, this is Joseph, and this is Caroline, and this is. <laughs> like, like that doesn't work. It should start with an E. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> and then you just make up a rule. You just make up a rule. Nah, it has to. Y'all don't do it right. Yeah, it has to be these dimensions. Yeah. Well, I would love to bring my complaint. All right, we complain. Here we go. Um, Here we go. I'm gonna keep it as brief as I can. I went off the week before <laughs> spring break. Got on a soapbox I feel like that's all of in front of the kids, 
and it was infinite campus okay i said it is infinite headaches it's unhealthy the focus on the numbers game okay that it puts in the child's mind i said it puts your focus on making sure those numbers look a certain way and not on the learning i said it's toxic great grubbing great grubbing that's right yeah yeah I said, if you're a grade earner, then there's the door. I want learners in here, mm. not grade earners. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell them, you know, I don't think it's appropriate for you to come in and immediately pull up the Chromebook and start looking at how the numbers have changed. And asking you, what, you know? what can I do? Yes. Well, I have what to have, I, I have to Ooh. be at 90% by no. this weekend. What can I do? Uh-uh. Uh-huh. No. Like, we've been doing it. That's <laughs> what we've been doing. <laughs> The moment has passed. I'm like, Miss, why didn't you put the grade in yet? Yeah. Did you put the grades in? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Like a month late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They want it instantly. Yes, that's fake right there. (laughs) I I struggle because my grade book is so far behind that it's like the kids are like, so you know, I I turned that in like (laughs) when there was still snow on the ground. (laughs) I I don't know, like, because our students can be like just endlessly polite with it mm-hmm. and I, I was just wondering if like mm-hmm. i know you have a lot of students I don't know you. and you know i don't want to bother That's you sweet, but you know we talked about nice. it like we, we may have talked about kids. it like five times <laughs> but like it's like i don't know my, my grade's still a c and it's and it's breaking my heart and you know mm-hmm. so They're so infinite it, it, I, I see just makes me feel bad about myself it's toxic for everybody i would have hated it if i had grown up with system. it my, my mom would have loved my it my mom would have loved i would oh, not yes. have been able to run interference for as long as i could exactly but at the same time like when it all was said and done and it all came out you know you tried your best the whole way yep. you turned stuff in along the way you know there's still that gaming now where it's like oh i want the number to look like this so how much is that worth miss yeah they asked that how much is that worth (laughs) you cannot wait you can't wait they want to know what everything's worth why you cannot wait yeah exactly yeah infinite campus can just go up in a fiery blaze if you ask me sorry if there are people who work there (laughs) but i don't like you (laughs) that's it that's good I have a complaint. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I work with middle This is the commandante. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is that your complaint? Oh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I work with middle school kids. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I work with middle school kids. Um, and some high school kids. They're um, lovable. They're, they're, they're awesome they're um, in so many ways. But sometimes um, they, they love to, to get on your nerves. And one thing that they do is um, flipping bottles. I know this is a challenge. Bottle flip. Oh, my God. Challenge. And so in order to, like, Flip this, pun intended. I, I, I decided, I love puns. Uh, that's how you get extra in my classroom. And if you incorporate science into it, even better. Um, and so that's exactly what I did, was that I incorporated science into bottle flipping. I'm like, if you're going to be flipping bottles in my classroom, you got to do it the right way. All right? And so we, we learned the physics behind flipping yes. bottles. Right? And, and so now they were all like, all right, I have, a, I have a third of water, and I need to like flip my wrist in a certain angle. And so for me, the complaints are the bottles. And so now I have a, a bottle graveyard. <laughs> which I, I confiscate them and then I draw X's on them. Like, um, these these right yes. They did. But, they the, but that's so great. And this this is a teacher that frequently takes like the things that students are into, however mm-hmm. dumb they may be, them. and incorporates them. And then, but yeah, the bottle flip thing, it's like you'll be standing there and you're like, okay, relationship-driven classroom management, so how much do I call this out? Because you're sitting here. So, you know, the really important thing about the Berlin conference was, kum, kum, kum. 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 Oh, I did it! <laughs> oh, no! 
we, we, we did that in my advisement, and I actually won the bottle flip tournament. You were. So you're like, so competitive. I'm, you I am not competitive. Whatever, man. I, I'm undefeated in, 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 in advisor competition. Maybe I'm not sure. Mike, you're a little upset about this. You too. You too. With the, the pantyhose and the ball. Yeah, so <laughs> all of us are like, <laughs> so like, so, so at, at our school meetings, the the coordinators will do these games where like they'll bring advisors up to compete against each other. And what they did is they they put a bunch of plastic bottles up. We had to put a stocking on our head that had a ball. And what kind of ball was it? Was it, it like a tennis ball? ball? I feel like it was oh, heavy, but yeah, and you had to like try to swing it and knock it down. And so and so the final came down to the hunter and medianoche. I gotta say, the hunter came away with the double. Uh, it was uh, aggressive. Uh, it was aggressive. Well, and I don't. I, I, I was up there just having fun. Yeah, I, I put it extra knots. Damn. Well, see, it's, a, it's the calibrating swing. Yeah, the first one you just have to know yeah. you're going to miss, mm -hmm. and then you kind of calibrate from there. I might be your complaining corner. I yeah. think you were cheating. <laughs> Everyone's. I think cheating. you were cheating. Although, although to be honest, in the, in the, in the faculty cheating. musical chairs thing, there, like, I, I may or may not have like, like, taken advantage push, of your people. I didn't push anybody. I did grab a seat when you. He was being nice and I took advantage I ain't gonna lie like you know it's winning man that's what it is I told you you're hyper competitive man a little bit yeah they, of course, oh, they get fun. excited at first <laughs> and then they're like okay can you please stop peacocking now? that's the other complaint corner that everything you do will find its way onto snapchat mm. or that is true or, you know <laughs> We've had some memes that have been made. I don't even look. Oh, man. Oh, oh, so oh, expert commander is an expert memer. Yeah. <laughs> memes made of him all the time. Oh, man. And oh, made of you. Okay. They're awesome. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, they get made I don't of even. him by the kids. But that's the worst thing. You do something, the kids are like, mm -hmm. I saw you rapping. And I was like, when did you see me? They were like, on the gram. They, I was like, what? Yeah. what? They, got me they got me dancing on Snapchat at one point. Yes. I, and students, oh, at, no. students at passing period, 15 minutes later, are kind of like, you were lighting up. Snapchat <laughs> 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 15 minutes later. 15 yeah. minutes That's later. Crazy. It's crazy. It's I a weird new world that we're in. Everyone at the assembly. They, they were like, oh, yeah. get that on the gram. <laughs> get that on the gram. Get that on the gram. Who calls it the gram? Does anybody call it the gram? I do. All right. See? Well, we have a lot of people looking at their watches. <laughs> people need to get to their meetings. Um, I think we're late for a meeting. Oh, y'all! Oh, y'all are late for a meeting. That's ah, we, we were working. Meetings. We were yeah. working. Oh yeah. man, this is the real work. Yeah. This is yeah. the real work. I want to. Uh, I want to thank you all for this. Um, that like I'm an 18 year veteran. It's like harder and harder to feel optimistic at different times, but. Uh, this is beautiful, and um, I just I just want to thank each and every yeah. one of you for being That's here awesome. and being a part of this roundtable. This was this was so much fun, and we do have to do this again. Like, yeah, absolutely, something yeah. ongoing. Um, anything you want to say there? Uh, I just I I agree with everything you just said. This is fun. I I feel like like I have I have my group, like I got a club that I belong to, and. See what's funny is I, I knew bed sheets. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. But it's like you know, like I said, 
you feel like you're crazy and then other people come to you and you're like oh i'm not crazy, I'm not crazy. everybody else is crazy i'm not i'm thinking right about this stuff. everybody else is crazy that's true no and and, and i think um the brotherhood the sisterhood that, that we can build through this um it, it's beautiful and and my hope is that this isn't an end that we're not going to look back a few years later and say hey, you know that one time we did that thing um i'm hoping that this is a beginning of just continued dialogue about race power and and uh and education and what we can do for ourselves as a community but also um, for our students especially so um, we have a little sign off that we do we tell everybody to stay dope so um, so I'll, I'll gesture and want everybody to just call out stay dope so really quick before uh, we go you can hit us up on social media we are on Instagram and Twitter at dope teachers uh, like us on Facebook and um, and you can email us to dope teachers at gmail.com uh, we are here on iTunes we are on Google Play uh, we were on SoundCloud, but SoundCloud is whack. <laughs> SoundCloud is so whack. It took them three weeks to like accept us. iTunes accepted us in 24 hours. So shout out to iTunes. There you go. The biggest, baddest player on the block taking us in first. So, um, so we just want to invite everybody out there to stay, stay dope. dope. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon.